didn't miss anything while we were gone, right? Safe to say this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for March 29th, 2021. Coming up on the show, the Avs try to replace Hunter Misko while they keep tearing a massive hole through the West Division, and Tim Peel gets fired for saying the quiet part loud. But before we play the whoosh, let's say hi to the other disembodied voices. Hello to Erlo6. Hello, friends. And hello to Jackie, Tiger Vixen. We're back. Just time for a quick recap of the early games here. Way back on the 14th, the Avs beat the LA Kings again, 4-1, which was nice, because LA brought a better game than the first one, and Colorado just said, okay, and smoked him again. Goals for Nathan McKinnon, Jonas Donskoy, Nazem Kadri, and Andre Burakovsky. Then things get interesting. As the Avalanche choose to rest, Philip Grubauer against the Anaheim Ducks, and Hunter Miska gives up four in the first period. So, Jared Bednar decides winning this game is actually important, makes the goaltending change. Colorado score eight of their own in this one, 8-4 your final. A four-point night for Kadri, but nobody else had more than two. A very balanced scoring output. And so that leaves the Avs in the uncomfortable position of accepting what everybody has been saying for weeks. Misk is not an NHL caliber player. You have to find somebody else to put there. And they did. Wasn't who you might expect, though. It was Buffalo Sabres goalie Jonas Johansson in exchange for a sixth in 2021. And that's where I want to start. This is apparently the price the team was willing to pay not to start Adam Werner. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the correct way to put it. <laughs> and it's interesting because, I mean, they're so similar it hurts. I mean, they're the same basic size. They're both Swedish. It just one is three years older and has a little bit more North American experience. Um, I, I, I think it remains to see. It remains to be seen. You know where JoJo ends up over however many starts he gets for the rest of the season. But, um, you know, did they pay a six to get basically something they already had? I mean, right now yes. it kind of looks like it. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it was funny. We I kept saying anyway that, you know, Miska was at least he wasn't great, but he wasn't imploding. He wasn't giving up four. I think he even said four in one period, and then then he did. Oh, so that was your fault. <laughs> <laughs> even though some of that wasn't exactly his fault, but we'll, we'll it's going to be kind of the same story when we talk to Jonas's performance, but um. Yeah, that's the maddening thing is is that I'm certainly willing to give Jonas a chance. And I think a lot of players can and do benefit from a fresh start, but especially on a team at the complete opposite end of the spectrum as far as success. But it, it's not like he's exactly young or we're just talking about the soul-sucking sabers here. Like, it, there's, there's been more of a track record of inconsistency. Like, he had a good season in the AHL last year, but so did Miska. So has a lot of other goaltenders that the Avs decided they didn't want to use. Like, remember, Spencer Martin was an AHL All-Star once upon a time, too. Like, it's not that impressive. 
it's nice, <laughs> but being an AHL All-Star isn't that impressive. You know, being AHL Goaltender of the Year, that's a little bit more impressive. But even those guys get through waivers. So it's just and – and the whole thing obviously hinges on is Francois ever going to be back? Like, that's the question now is we know – it's not imminent or soon or whatever, but the ever thing needs to be a question. And it was finally asked by the media this week. And Bednar pretty much said, no, I don't really expect it. But then that's in the not athletic, what he said. He yeah. said he didn't. He said he didn't know if they'd ever be back. <laughs> <laughs> OK, that's not, not that he didn't think that they would he be didn't back. Say that, he didn't say no, he's out for the season. You're right. Yeah. He didn't exactly say that. He just said, I don't foresee it or something. But in a way, that's kind of how he was asked. So that gives him an easy way to answer that question. Yeah. But it should be pointed out that in The Athletic, they've been doing these trade proposal articles. And like the first one was just like fan trade proposals. And then they go and ask some unnamed NHL executives what they think about the trade proposals. So that's a funny article. So, and some of them, it, it is interesting to see what real NHL people think of some of these ideas. And so then the latest version of this article was the executives themselves come up with a trade proposal and then the other executives comment on it. So one of them was, the Avs trade a conditional third or fourth to Anaheim for Ryan Miller. And uh, then one executive commented on that, that he's been hearing the Avs ex- think hope, but feel it's likely that Francois will be back for the playoffs. So yeah. nice little tidbit there. So that's what the people around the NHL believe, which of course, is not concrete, but it's a whole lot more uh, directional than the garbage that we've been hearing, right? <laughs> so yeah. just keep that one in mind. If they actually think that Francois will be back for the playoffs, then you need to get through the next six weeks with whatever as your backup. So in well- that frame of mind you can see why they went for another grab bag kind of goaltender but yet still begs the question if you just needed to get through six weeks worth of maybe a start every other week why could that be Werner because well, and also what I wanted to throw out to you guys is I that proposal that you just said Ryan Miller for a conditional third or fourth and I don't know how realistic that is I mean if that is realistic wouldn't you rather have Ryan Miller for that fourth or third rather than a sixth for JoJo? Totally. Even if it is, yeah, even if it is just for the regular season. And then, um, because is, so, is Ryan Miller going to go win you a game in 2021? No. Is he going to lose you a game in 2021? Also, probably not. Like he's I, just there, and that's what—that's when you don't have a you know anybody in your backup spot. Just there is an upgrade. Yeah. So I I I just I I I guess the the larger picture question here is sort of what were the Avs thinking by going for the JoJo tier 
rather than maybe bumping that up a notch and, and looking at, at someone like Ryan Miller, which again, I, I don't know if that's realistic. I mean, if it were me, like if you could get Ryan Miller for a fourth, I would do it instead of Johansson. Sure. It's an interesting, I think kind of the prevailing thought has been Bernier for a third. And that's not just fan delusions. I've read that as sort of his price. So, you know, Miller for maybe a conditional fourth is, is a little cheaper. Right. And you still get somebody that's actually played in the NHL. I think part of what the abs thinking hinges on a huge thing. They need to have this guy waiver exempt is one thing. And two, they don't want to carry three goalies on the NHL roster, which if they were willing to do that, we could rewind way all the way back to six months ago. And then the door Wait. of options opens very wide to them. So hold on a second here. Does the waiver exemption thing mean anything anymore? Because in two weeks, it's not going to matter. To them, it seems like it does matter. Because I think that was one but, of the. But I mean, big... why would it matter for for two or three weeks? Because well, like they're using obviously that guy Frank, now. like Frank at best, even if he shows up hale and hearty next week, he's still probably not going to be ready to play a game until right before the deadline. So. But are you, you putting know, he... a guy like Bernier or Ryan Miller on the taxi squad? Well, yeah. Would they? At I don't think point. they would. I don't think they would. Well, you would need to because the rosters are unlimited after March or uh, May. What is it? When when it, when it, April twelfth. April twelfth. But when they went and got Hutchinson, he had already cleared waivers. And you're right. At that point, it didn't matter because it was after the trade deadline. But still, yeah, they were going to put him in the AHL. They just never got to that point. But they were yeah, going you're not, to. You're not going to put Ryan Miller or Bernier in the AHL. No, and you're probably not going to put them on the taxi squad either, which is why I think they refuse to get a quote-unquote NHL backup. Is because well, there, I mean, there really isn't. I mean, there there isn't going to be a taxi squad after the trade deadline, is there? I don't know. I don't think that they've exactly hmm. said that. I mean, in theory, the roster limit is gone, but the way that they're going to have to use extra players is still the same. And then are they going to yeah. have the stupid thing where you only get four call-ups after the deadline? So that means, what, you can't even trade out your taxi squad? That would be pretty stupid. Yeah. So I don't know. They haven't said that one way or the other. I think the cap implication of the taxi squad will probably matter a lot more than their roster size after the deadline. Because they yeah. that is an AHL salary spot. Yeah. So. So, so I think... But I think that, the waiver exempt part is a big part of their thinking is what I'm trying to say anyway, is why. Well, I think it matters for Jonas because like you're, I mean, you, you probably would send him to the AHL to get some work if they, if you needed to. Well, see now they're yeah. also collecting NHL contracted goaltenders and <laughs> they, well, they it's there. There's two, even with Frank out, there's too many now. Like, Half of them don't even play. Werner is now in the taxi. The guy on the taxi squad just never plays. That's Werner now. Yeah. So you have Miska in the AHL. Their schedule is very uneven. Like, they'll play three games in four days, and then they won't play for a week or longer. In April, they have an 11-day break. Yeah. So you're... Yeah, so you're not even going to... 
get a lot of get these guys playing really big club doesn't even get a two-day break and then throwing there's some holes because stockton had to go back to canada but still they never filled it and um so i'm just saying that you're collecting these goaltenders and and a lot of them just aren't gonna play and you know maybe they really don't care but it's just (laughs) it it's silly if you think the abs are going to get another goaltender after jojo like they're i i really feel like they're not and like you said earl okay if you were gonna get another one bernier or miller or something like that why on earth would you make this trade just so you right. have to play werner like twice and now you have another guy on an nhl yeah. contract that you have to this was somewhere. the move you know it's like <laughs> they're not gonna get someone else like if they were gonna get someone else they wouldn't have done this first right <clears throat> exactly it's just silly so Hope, uh, hopefully that's true that Frank comes back for the playoffs because let's be honest, that's what really matters. Like, it'd be nice to beat Vegas for the the division lead, and we'll get to the whole Vegas thing. But at this point, the Avs are pretty much golden in the regular season here. Like they've they've done well enough that they don't have to worry about imploding or missing the playoffs. So, how much do they really care? It's just a matter of how much do you really care about protecting Grubauer? And it just seems it's like he wants to play and they want to play him and we're just going to roll on like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more than likely that we're going to face Minnesota in the first round. I mean, that's just that's the way the things are jiving. I know we could overtake the Vegas, perhaps. Um, but it's just, you know, it's it's like Vegas, Minnesota and Colorado are all there in a gaggle. And the, all three of those teams are, you know, they're they're above ninety seven percent to make the playoffs. So, <clears throat> um, it, you know, it, it it's probably likely we're going to face Minnesota in the first round. If not, you know, it could be the Blues or whoever ends up taking their spot when they finally crumble permanently. Um, they're kind of on their way there. Yeah, they're trying. It it would be fun if LA or Arizona could just like get it together a little bit more. They could. I know. I'm really threaten. rooting for LA to take that fourth spot. Like, you know, I, I, I like Arizona more than I have in the past, but, um, I I think as far as watchability in the playoffs, I think the Kings would be a little more fun. I, that's that's hard to say, but <clears throat> it does it does seem to ring true. Yeah, I don't think there's any controversy to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like... Nothing makes me like beating Arizona more than watching Arizona. So it's like, please <laughs> never let this style be successful. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess that's well, fair, the... but I don't know if I trust the Kings to be that. I think. No, in I mean, general... the Kings. Arizona's a better team than the Kings, but I can't disagree with what you're saying, that the Kings would probably be a tougher playoff team. They'd be more interesting, is what I'm going for. Um, just because, you know, you, you do have a resurgent Andre Kopitar, and, and, you know, Dowdy's playing well, and, you know, it's like they, 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 they have a, a good goalie that's not quick. Um, you know, and and they do have some kids that they could fall back on as as far as supplementary roles. 
So that's their wild card is, is how well their, their kids are going to play. You know, that that may well be why they miss or make the playoffs. Yeah, there are no easy outs in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But ne- neither, what, whatever the fourth team in the West ends up being is not going to make any noise in the playoffs. That's. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, whether that, that ends is. up being St. Louis limping in or Arizona by default or a resurgent Kings. Yeah. Uh, and I It'll just, be interesting. I... Just see St. Louis. I don't see the Avs being. Yeah, we're gonna play St. Louis a whole bunch next month, so get ready to be tired of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested to see just how bad they really are, because hopefully by then, very very bad. (laughs) Um, So, so we're gonna get into Johansson's first start in a minute, uh, but first, the Avalanche played their first real team in three weeks, and that was the Minnesota Wild, and they dismantled them five to one. And then they came back on Saturday, ready for the bounce back effort, and dismantled them again, six to nothing. They outshot the Wild ninety-seven to fifty-one across the two games. Three goals from Igor Ranton, and Kale McCarr returns to the lineup and gets a goal. These were two absolute stomps, and you love to see it. Yeah, it's really interesting how badly Minnesota got smoked because they were real hot coming in and they haven't lost since or they might have lost last night. I didn't see what what happened there, I but I don't think so. But Yeah, it's like this was really an aberration for their team because they've been really playing well. and then they go into Denver and just get killed. And but it just it didn't affect them going on. And it was uh, a big match. It was match great to the- see. It was. It was a big matchup at the time. We were like tied with them, and and like you said, they'd won. We'd won like four in a row at that point, and they'd won five in a row. They were playing well. They've played well ever since their COVID break, and so it really was like even Bednar said it was kind of like a measuring stick, and yeah. and to just completely blow the doors off twice in a row. That that certainly was like a big statement. Yeah. Yeah, those and, games were just fun because it was it well, was and, pretty and he, easy. <laughs> to go back to the Anaheim game, it's like as soon as they put Grubauer in and got rid of Miska, it's like they scored six unanswered goals to win that game eight to four. The, and then every killed... single one of those Anaheim games have been weird this year. Like there's one coming up this week. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that one's gonna be weird again too, but Anaheim's but yeah, some it was weird nice team. Flip the switch yeah. and and oh. win that game. Like I would have, I would have just died on the. Okay, if Grubauer needs rest, he needs rest. Like you just, not that I'd be giving up, but it's just, you know. But they they know how bad he needed the rest. I don't, and apparently they felt like he could do it, and he he did fine, and they won the game. But yeah. I probably would have been a little bit more conservative, but I would have been a lot more conservative with this entire goaltender situation to begin with. They apparently do not feel like they need to be conservative, so there you have it. But um, but yeah, after that weird Ducks game, and then you come in and then you you just completely beat the pants off Minnesota, which also, don't forget, the last time they had played Minnesota is when they got beat handily in that terrible game that they played yeah with the orphan game that minnesota came in and and really beat them so that game it was dunk yeah it was. 
So th- this was a pretty good statement for the Avs. I agree. Colorado beat Minnesota so severely that there's now a conspiracy in Minnesota circles that the shot counters at Ball Arena inflate the Avs shot t- totals. <laughs> you know, I didn't quite believe that they had 55 shots on goal. I think it might have been a little generous at that point but the overall statement that the abs have been out shooting out chancing out attempting whatever you want to call it i mean that that's the truth so well the thing it's is it's like fall arena has invented it either they they do it <laughs> on the road too folks like yeah what are we doing and here it's not like it, it's not like there's dumb fans counting the shots either i mean there are nhl officials doing this and if they're going to be dumb, they're going to be dumb both ways. So if the 55's inflated, then the 20 sure was, too. That's just the way it works. Yeah, have fun thinking about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, it helps your goaltender's save percentage, too, right? <laughs> and, and that was what the argument was, right? Like that they do it to buff the goaltender's save percentage or something. I don't know. What, whatever it was, it was silly. And it got enough traction that the wild broadcast even talked about it. It's like, shut up. Yeah. You're getting smoked. That's just, you're just getting smoked. <laughs> like. <laughs> right. You're also getting beat on the, the part that says goals. That's the part you're getting beat on too. So that was, <clears throat> that was some silliness. I mean, other than just saying, wow, the Az were dominant. I don't really know how much we can really get into that game. Or, the, no. or either of those games. It's just because it's just it was a week ago, and wow, the Avs were dominant. <laughs> yeah, no, they trashed them, and I mean the one of the interesting things I thought was that uh, the one goal that Minnesota scored was on the power play, and they have the worst power play in the entire league, um, or they did as of that point. Um, so they they had no goals five on five. Noggles. Uh. <laughs> yeah. You will get nothing and you will like it. That's what the app said. Yeah. The first game I do okay. Now that I'm now that you brought up about the power play. Well, the first game was a little bit closer than what was it, five to one indicated because they needed that. Yeah. I think it was the Avs third goal, because then it was two to one and they needed the Avs to score to make it three to one. And um, this is when Byram got Greenway to do a dumb and put the abs on the power play. And then they took advantage of it. And that's, you know, what I've been beating the drum about the power plays. You have to take advantage of situations like that because it changes games. And that's kind of what really opened the floodgates for the whole series against the Wild there was being able to actually do something on their power play after they scored on their power play and then you run away with the game. Yeah. I mean, and the, the power, the, the penalties were incredibly lopsided against the Avs over that series because I mean, Minnesota went one for eight on their power play, which is probably good for them. And the Avs went two for four, you know, over two games. So, um, so yeah, it's interesting little balance there. We'll talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Little, little bit of a massage of the game, I think. But a massage of the game—that's quite a phrase. <laughs> so, 
So anyway, um, the Avs had their first road games in a while on Monday and Tuesday in Arizona, and they win the first 5-1, uh, a pair for Jonas Donskoy, who can't seem to quit scoring right now. Uh, Ranton and Kadri yeah. both on the board. Even P.E. Belmar gets on the action at even strength. The only goal against came on the penalty kill, because Grubauer is just a really good goaltender right now. And so the team gave him the night off on Tuesday. It's a back-to-back. You should do that. And new face, Jonas Johansson, we'll talk about him a lot now, I guess, because the Avs fall in the shootout, 5-4 in the final. Some of those goals against were rank, in my opinion. So for, for people who didn't get to see that game, how would you describe Johansson in net? I mean, he kind of looked like this was his first game with a brand new team. Uh, the first goal was, I mean, like, it, <sighs> McKinnon was not in a great spot as far as blocking out his guy in front of the net like yeah there was a little bit of a screen he should have you know johansson should have fought through it a little bit better but yeah that was about as far away from the net as you can get and still be in the offensive zone um yeah the second one was a defensive breakdown the the Um, second goal doesn't belong in this conversation the second goal he he gets he's that's a freebie he can forget it yeah, and that was exactly what happened against Miska too. Like there was one against him in in that Ducks game that everyone had vacated the front of the net, and the guy was just right there shooting point blank. So it's funny that to me it felt very much like a Miska game. It's just their styles are different. Miska is the overly active, overplay everything, but don't he can windmill. Move. Johansson is is like one of the more positional he's a larger goalie but he's slow yeah I was gonna say he moves about as well as that ship in the canal so we'll see if some of that is like Earl said system based not being used to but he definitely has to move faster than that so And if you're going to knock something on Werner, and that's just, that's that's exactly the same thing that you're saying. It's like Werner is, you know, he's big, he's good when he's facing the puck because it'll generally bounce off of him even if he's not ready for it. Um, <laughs> but he's slow. Um, you know that that's that would be the knock on him. So it's like again, it's very similar to Adam Werner. You know, if, yeah, if and I'm looking for what the knock is, it's it's definitely speed, but it's also like I don't. F- I don't really think the system being played in front of you is going to affect how the puck bounces off of your body. And <laughs> Johansson had zero clue where any rebound went ever. And yeah. that was how the third goal against happened was the rebound just did a normal geometry thing, bounced off him right into, you know, kind of the other side of the slot. And he's just like, didn't move. He's like, <laughs> I don't know where this think- puck went. And well, I think it was Krause, That's where it went. Kraus was kind of wide open, but he sure definitely was. should have like covered that entire side part of the net, which was not covered. Like and... it, if he makes an effort and and gets beat on that shot, it's whatever. It, it's it's that he's continued to be you know on the left forward crease for the entire <laughs> right. like long time. Yeah, and Bednar did say something like they try to. I don't know something about pre- predict where the shots come from. I think he also wants them to like predict where the rebounds come from. It, you know, maybe a little, I don't know, leeway there. But it's not like this guy is is new at this either. So yeah, 
it, it's like a lot of um, it is just how you goaltend. And, and the fourth one was weird. I don't know. The, you would like to have him on the post there, but uh, the fourth that one was he picked up his pad. He, players, he, he picked up his pad and the puck <laughs> went under it. Yeah, <laughs> like it was a bit scram. A lot of players are scrambling. I think I remember like Makar could have actually helped at that point. Like, let's just be yeah. real. That was probably the worst game I'd ever seen Makar play. It was that second Arizona game. Yeah, but, he was um, pretty bad. So here's the big surprise why we couldn't uh, do a show last week because I was in Arizona. So I got to see both these games live, in person. And um, it's always an interesting perspective, especially because you don't, you don't know how it looked on TV. So you can't necessarily compare to the, uh, all the other games that I've been watching on TV or not our computer screen, let's be real. But um uh, the, the second game was definitely rough. Like, I felt like the Avs dominated that first game. That might have been the best game I'd ever seen them play live, was the first game. They just... Um, yeah, they gave up the one goal, but they were just rolling, and you could, you could just tell. And it was neat to see little things like McKinnon pick up his physicality, and... Um, it was just such a dominant performance. And you knew, I know that they can't play that way every single night, even though they have tried over this last two weeks, which is pretty cool. But um, that second game, they just, uh, maybe it was, they finally got tired. I think exhaustion does get to Makar. That's something that people have said about him uh, is that he just, he does tend to run down and he can't, can't perform at that that level that we all expect all the time. So I think back-to-backs get a little iffy for him, but it would, certainly wasn't just him either. Not everybody yeah. can play 28 minutes a night. <laughs> uh, but it was it was awesome uh. to be there. It was like half Avs fans at least. Um, and it, I felt like I wasn't necessarily worried about, you know, being in a, a crowd or anything, but there were so few people there. You never were really like near anyone. You weren't closer to anyone than you would be at like the mall or anything. And the ease of getting in and out of the arena. I will miss that a little bit. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, yeah. It was, it, plus it's nice there in Arizona. It's all in this little shopping complex and the restaurants are right there. The hotel we stayed at was right there. So it is an enjoyable place to go see the games once you actually get to Glendale. Um, so you feel like it was atmosphere- all put together safely, and yeah, like you, you were never in a really a line with anybody. You were you just like walked in. You had like a, a row skip up behind you and in front of you, and several seats to either side. Like you just never were really next to anybody. So. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't feel like it was any less safe than, like, say, going to the mall at this point right now. So um, the atmosphere was definitely, like, preseason-ish, though. You certainly missed. And maybe, again, Arizona wouldn't have ever been, like, grand excitement to begin with. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, could, you could tell there were people there, right? Like, the, they were cheering for Avs and cheering for Arizona. But it definitely felt more like preseason, where 
um, you know, there's people around and everything, but you're not really like getting pumped up for for anything. But um, I had a great time. You know, it was would have loved to see two wins, but at that point they've won seven in a row. Like you just kind of expect there'd be a little bit of a letdown. Plus, we knew JoJo was in and back to back and everything. And I was glad they at least pulled it out in the shootout, right? Like at least got to that point. The shootout was depressing though. <laughs> Yeah. 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 As, as soon as Mac missed the net, it was like, oh, well, that's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Don Skoy went first, which I always kind of thought was an interesting choice, but then I looked at his career stats. He's actually been really good on the shootout in his career, so. Yeah. Was his, it, his attempt was awesome, too. Just the heater he was on. Yeah, but. Would have been nice if JoJo kind of stopped one, and then I looked at his career stats. He's 0 for 4 in the shootout. As far as shots, he was 0 for 2 in act- in actual occasions up to that point. Now he's 0 for 3, so it was almost like, can we just put Grubauer in for shootout? But I know, you wouldn't want yeah. to even risk him cramping up or anything like that, but... Yeah, uh, unfortunately, deserve. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. JoJo kind of got the devil's combination in that shootout. Uh, he he was bad and unlucky because one of those goals did go off the post and off the skate and in. Yeah. Okay, I definitely can't see well enough to have seen that. Yeah, what what one yeah. of the goals went off the post and as he was slowly glacially sliding backwards, it hit his, <laughs> hit his skate and then jammed all the way into the net. Yeah, and that was the second goal, so that would have been even. You know, that was after Mac missed. Um, McKinnon's so. very hit and miss. Like his in the shootout, his career numbers are good, but sometimes it looks like his attempts are just so bad. It's like I think he gets to a point, and if he doesn't see what he needs to see, he's just like, ah, fuck it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's I mean that's kind of how it is though, because it's like seriously, if you if you make your moves and it doesn't open up the way you think it is, that's just it's it's not going to go in. You know, unless it's well, just, the goalie's just like, whoops. Usually if you have a really good backhand, you still have that regardless. Which is why yeah. I'd like to see someone like Miko, because he has that backhand even if nothing else works. But, you know, it it is what it is. It's I honestly don't mind the shootout. Not that I want to see it that often, but it, it was their first of the season. And, you know, whatever. It's... It's also interesting to see it live, to see an overtime live and see a shootout. So even though they kind of ended on a sour note, you can't be anything but happy with three out of four points. Exactly. No, and and getting a point out of your new third and a half goaltender. um, (laughs) I mean, as as much as we've been down on on his performance and his skill set, it's a one game that we're looking at here. And also he, he mostly apart from that first goal, he mostly did a perfectly fine job of making the first save. And at that I, point it's, it's on the, the team learning to prioritize getting that rebound instead of stopping every single shot. Like what's what they were seemed to do. I think that's where the goals at goal two come from uh, against both yeah. and, and Anaheim and Jojo here is that everybody's trying so hard to stop that shot that they just get sucked into the puck. Yeah. And I was gonna say that I was I was feeling happy for him that like it looked like they were gonna win that game. They were up <laughs> I think four to two in the third period. I mean that's also on the team too. Like if you're up four to two in the third period, 
you need to win that game. It doesn't matter who it's against. And one of those goals was, was a breakaway, but he did stop the breakaway. Yeah. So it's and just, I felt it's like one of those he also things. made a, a really good save on on the penalty kill that I was down there in in the same end. So I saw how good that shot was, and it was through a screen on the penalty kill. It was like, okay, all right, you know, settle down. This isn't Buffalo. Like, you can have a rough start, but you know, you're not doomed. So I was gonna feel happy for him that maybe he can actually win this game and everything's all right. But then the stupidity happened, which wasn't just his fault. But yeah, that's when you need a really good goaltender to make a save, and you don't have that. That's kind of what happens. And sometimes more than a save because the uh, the shooter has help, <laughs> and, and he did make a save. On, on both three and four, he made a save. But needed a little bit more than that, and some help would have been nice. Um, I really think just with, with all this taken together, it's it seems to me like the, the Avalanche just said, okay, we need not Hunter Miska. So let's get a big goalie who doesn't really overcommit ever to anything. They could have had that Werner, but... Because if you've ever seen Hunter Miska play a hockey game, you can imagine the exact opposite, and that's what the Avs got here. And he was back doing that Friday night in the AHL, too. So it's it's just... It's it's not something that's ever going to get better. That's just who he is. No, it's just who he is. And and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just you don't really need it in the NHL. That's for sure. Well, the the shooters are just so much better. In the AHL, you can leave the net wide open, and they'll probably nine times out of ten miss it. So <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. <laughs> so between series here, as the Avs got more and more healthy, Bowen Byram comes back into the lineup for a minute. And that meant someone had to go down. The Avs chose Connor Timmins. What's that decision for you? I think it's fine. I mean, it, he hadn't played in long enough that, you know, if you want to call that a conditioning stint, that that's a perhaps a good name for it. We'll see um, we how long it, he's gone for. Right, and we found out on the telecast on Friday night that, um, you know, he he went down and, and was asked to work on his puck skills, and that's also understandable. I mean, he played 17 games for the Abs, doesn't have a point. Um, I think he had 15 shots on goal, and it's like, you know, he. I I don't want to characterize him as an offensive defenseman, but that's a. That's one of the main reasons you want him in the lineup is is for what he can bring from the red line in. And when that's not happening, like his defense isn't going to make up for it, obviously. So, you know, if he's if he's down there for conditioning and to get a little confidence in his offensive game, um, then, you know, that that's a great use of the AHL as far as I'm concerned, because that's that's kind of exactly what he to be effective for the abs now yeah we'll we'll see how long he's down there for like if next man up is gilbert then he's then they're like keeping him there then i think the ship might be sailing because the abs really don't return young guys for like two games i think we we've seen that so uh well i mean what they're asking him to work on isn't something you fix in two games either well, technically, puck skills either something you have or you don't. I mean, if I'm being honest, now. Well, I mean, he has the puck skill. I, I, I don't think he's being asked to increase his puck skill. I think he's being asked to use it more. 
or to take care of the puck more, which that would help. I would characterize it as that. Um, I don't know. It, it it's hard to say how I feel about it because the AHL isn't really going to help him. I mean, the whole playing and playing more and things like that, but their schedule's weird. They're not going to play now for a week. It's just. Like, it was fine, then he got two games. I think they were That's a mix. That's not bad either, because the Avs don't practice. So he's going to get real practices down there as well. I don't know. They're going to have a few days off, too. <laughs> but um, it's just, it's kind of the same story. Like, going back and forth in a vacuum isn't bad. Like, that's what young, most young players do. But it it seems to always it has to come with a purpose and I don't know if there is a purpose at this point. Plus I think he's okay in the AHL. Like the chaotic nature of the, the league doesn't necessarily help him take care of the puck more because then he's asked to like put out fire while he's trying to also like, you're not going to be calm in a situation that's not even calm. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, he was better in the second game, but there's still more turnovers than you'd like to see, even accounting for that, like, half the game is turnovers. So, even beyond that, there were a few that I think he could have nixed. But, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it goes with Timmons. And for me, some of this has nothing to do with Timmons. Um, like, the Avalanche have just gotten good performances out of McDonald, for example. Um, like they've had good results from other defenders that are on that depth chart that have moved themselves up above Connor Timmons. And as more bodies get healthy, it's like, are you going to sit McDonald for Timmons? Probably no. not. No, it seems like they've made that decision. Plus McDonald is now waiver eligible because he's played enough this year. And you'd say, okay, look at who's all clearing waivers. You shouldn't be worried about this. But the Avs seem to be very, very paranoid about waivers. They well, always I'd hate to lose been. McDonald on waivers right now. Not that I well, think he would be incredibly attractive to another team, but that would be a chance you probably wouldn't want to take. Sure, it's nice to have him around. Absolutely. You're just, he's just not going to get claimed on waivers. It but is... the Avs are not, probably not going to want to do it either, though. So it's yeah. kind of like they made their decision. Like, he's staying one way or the other. And and that's fine. Like, he's carved himself out a nice role on the team. We can clearly see his limitations, but we can also see what he can bring, too. And it's he, he's a decent third-pairing option. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's pretty obvious, like, I, I think probably his two worst games recently were against Vegas and that's not a surprise because um, they're you know Minnesota you know they're good but they didn't really show up um, so the Vegas games are, are probably the you know the biggest test the Avs have had over the past couple weeks and that's just sort of where McDonald you know, looked the worst <clears throat> which you know, again is, isn't surprising at all like okay, the, you, when you're against a better competition with a stronger four check, you struggle more. That's big surprise. Like yeah, that's you look more like a six and less like a five. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, but it's nobody just... has six defenders that they are thrilled to play for thirty minutes in the in the NHL every night. No, well, you I look mean, at great, some of the, the lineups. Great thing is, 
The great thing about McDonald is, is like, you know, against, you know, more than half of the division that we constantly play, uh, he looks pretty good. So he has you know, been. It, He's earned his spot. He he earned the right to stay over Timmons. And if I was passionate about Timmons and his game, would that annoy me more? Probably because I would say, what's the end game here? Timmons is going to be a lot more important. Like he needs those minutes, but I don't feel that way about Timmons. So it's plus, fine. Timmons played 17 games. It's not like they just called him up for five and said, bye. Right. It's not like they gave him six too. minutes and said, well, that's your chance. Right. Yeah, that's you know, he too. played. He played real minutes for a, a big stretch. So, you know, he had every chance in the world to solidify a spot, and just, it, it hasn't happened. Nope. If you're looking at any spot for, like, for the next defender to fall off, it's still not even going to be McDonald. Though it's going to be Dan Renouf, who, uh, you know. Definitely has some bumps and bruises along the way, in, in, yeah. including giving a guy a fight right after your team scored a goal. Like, okay, <laughs> I don't mind that one, but I probably not ready for Vegas yet, or are we? No, I don't. I don't really think so. Because um, if you, if you want to tell the people what else has been going on in the AHL while that topic is relevant, I would yes. strongly encourage you to do so. Yeah, I'd say that. Uh, Kout is is alive well and he has done everything he possibly can to earn himself another call up he's been back for seven i think it's seven games first two games he was clearly shaking off some rust didn't have any points which but i still think he played fine like his game is his game it it's pretty consistent and um but ever since then the last five games that he's played he's i think he has Point in every game, eight points total, three goals, and he's driving the bus down there. Especially with like Tynan gone, who is their best offensive player, he's stepped up and he's he's made their power play actually function. First of all, it was a six percent power play, the lowest in the league, and um, they finally put him on first unit. And surprise, surprise, he's helped. They also fired the coach, though. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think what they're doing system-wise is that mind-blowing, especially when you have Foodie trying to feed Gilbert five times in a row on a five-on-three. No, I don't think there was uh, (laughs) any new, fresh thinking there. So um, he's just... If if we're going to talk about merit, everyone has to say merit, merit, merit. You have to earn it. If the only reason why they put Tynan on the taxi squad is because he was AHL player of the week and it would look stupid if they hadn't done that. Well, Cout's pr- probably not going to be AHL player of the week, but he's definitely been their MVP for the week. And if it doesn't earn him a call up at this point, then <clears throat> it's, it's just, I mean, it's been a joke, but every single argument that people stand on is like done now because with Calvert out, Whoever the forward is on the taxi squad will be the next man up. And if you really think the abs are going to just continue to have no more injury forward, then I have a bridge to sell you because it's going to happen. And um, that's how you get an opportunity. You're on the taxi squad and then you play. Like the Eagles, I think, have only 18 games left. 
So the whole like, maybe he should keep playing and keep getting confidence by scoring. No, he's going to get confidence by being in the NHL where he's supposed to be. When you're clearly beyond where you're playing, you don't get confidence because you're still there. That's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So, all right, it's time to do it now, Avs. So, um, what I'm I'm glad to see it though, because I never want to hinge production on any what these guys are doing on a bad offensive team. But if you're looking for points, which a lot of people are, there you have it. What I've liked over the past few games for Cout is that he's he's more of an impact player over this stretch than he has been really at any point in the AHL. He's um, also getting that role too. Yeah. He hasn't necessarily but it's just a, ever had what what he's doing now is is showing time. like a mastery of the level that he really hasn't shown before. I mean, last year when he got called up, um, you know, you you could make it make the case that that maybe Bowers was um a little bit more impactful at that point. I Bowers uh, had the hot streak, but I disagreed with that back then. Yeah, but it's you know, like you like to say, it's it's all about the points. Um but but at this point you're you're looking at Cout and you know along with Foodie you're looking at two guys that are having major impacts on the game as far as the young guys and you know Foodie really isn't eligible to be called up I don't think there's any chance they'd ever think about signing him and calling him up and and I don't think he'd be ready anyway but but Cout is and I think he's showing exactly what they want to see so it does remain to be seen what they do with that knowledge. Yeah, exactly. And for Bowers, unfortunately, like the points haven't come for him this year. And I don't necessarily have a problem with the way he plays, but it just, he might not have that finishing ability. And does it matter with a guy like Jost, who has found his niche and everything like that? Does it really matter that Jost doesn't score if he does all those other good things? It's kind of the argument that you'd make with Bowers. But if you're in the AHL and you don't have points, then I guess too bad for you. Well, you. You can only have so many of those competent bum types like Jost, who is really good at everything except actually producing goals. Um, like he's, he's has just had a strong game, and especially the last couple of weeks, like Jost has been playing really, really, really well. Um, but again, there's still just no goals there, and you you need goals on your team. You can only have so many guys who can't score. I still would like to see how because Bowers is really well with structure and I think he's going to be someone that's better but he's probably isn't going to score that much there either so I I like all those guys but if if we're talking about one guy that has really deserved it it's Cout so yeah it's ready guys all right let's get back to the NHL because uh, finally, on Thursday, the Golden Knights come to town, and they score in the first minute while the Avs come to terms with playing a real team again. <laughs> Somebody got mad. And then Colorado <laughs> just smoke them, too. 5-1 your final, followed on Saturday by a definitely worse final performance, and also entirely random officiating. And the Avs do take that game to overtime, but they lose 3-2. So they take three points out of the series, but in terms of wins-losses, they do split again. Which is fine. Yeah, Big I'm... picture, that's fine against uh, the best team they're going to face until if 
hopefully they get out of the West confines. Um, so two out of or three points out of four is pretty much all you could ask for, but it's sort of like the Arizona series where you have the great game and then the not so great game. You do, you are left a little less satisfied than maybe you should be. And they just played straight up dumb in that third period. Like they're kind of lucky they got a point out of that game. They survived that third period. That was one of the worst periods of hockey the Avs have played in a minute. (laughs) Yeah, that was, it was not crisp. I, I, one thing I, I wasn't really happy about, and I, I could say this for, for probably both the the second Arizona game and the second Vegas game, is that the the opposing coaches made some adjustments in between the two games that worked pretty well, and, and both of them did pretty much the same thing, where they, they backed off their forecheck and kind of covered the outlet passes. Um, and it really really hampered the breakouts a lot. Um, so you're, you're left with the option of, of trying to skate it out or turning it over. And that, <clears throat> I, I think that had a big impact on, on both games. So, you know, I, I think if you're a team looking at, at film of those games, you're looking at like, ah, that works. And it's not easy to do, especially against the Avs. Um, but I, I think that's sort of what we're looking at as far as the blueprint teams are, are going to try to use. Maybe I did so. like in the first game how they were able to turn the tables with Vegas scoring so fast. You could you could get sucked into their game. And I liked how the Avs just kept grinding at their game and then turned it into a blowout. Like That's pretty impressive, especially against a team like Vegas. It also helped that for both of these two games, um, Marc-Andre Fleury didn't steal anything. Like, he was fine. Yeah. Um, Maybe every goal you don't love, but he was fine. It's just, it's not what we saw earlier in the season where he was ridiculous. Yeah. So, these two games both are probably a little bit more of an honest comparison of where these two teams are to each other. Um, where, where Colorado can blow anybody out off just completely out of the rink if they if that's how things go, um, and Vegas can stick with anybody and then have the chance to pull it out in the end. So, like uh, these two teams in, in their eventual playoff series that we all kind of think will eventually happen, it's gonna be a tight one. I think so too. Just hopefully it's not. First round matchup. Yeah, that it shouldn't would suck. be. It really shouldn't be. Yeah, except Minnesota never loses. I don't know what's up with that, but <laughs> they lose to us. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> we've we've put together a nice um, little run yeah, I... here in March. To be honest, if we we talked earlier about the the Avs needing to bank points because they're playing a bunch of teams that they should beat, and they've done that. They haven't lost in regulation since March second. Yeah. That's no, really they, good they because really, before they that, made a lot out of this homestand, which is good because sometimes some years they don't do that. Like before we played the LA series, if we hadn't have done well in that series, they would have been past us, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think when you see the standings now and that we were able to pretty much tie with Vegas. Like it really has been a good two weeks for sure. It's been a good month. 
Yeah. And this is the run they needed to go on to, to separate themselves and put themselves in a really comfortable position. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's something we've been looking for all year. And, you know, it's like they, they, they split a lot of series. Um, you know, they just they never went on a good run until now. And, and it's it's just really good to see everything coming together such that, you know, they they, they banked enough points that, that pretty much, you know, it's like they're, they're what? I think they're 13 games over 500 now. So it's just, you know, they, <clears throat> they, they could play not great for the rest of the season. It's not a problem. Yeah, you, you never want to rule out the 18-wheeler off a cliff because um, it can happen to anybody. Yeah. But that's what it's like, going to take for this team like, not to not only miss the playoffs, but to not be a top two seed. Right. I am curious to see how they look against St. Louis. I mean, I know St. Louis is not having a good year, but even close. they've had success against us in the past. Like, I'm not going to just call that one going to be easy. Like, they're going to play them six times this month. And, you know, you hope oh. that some of that old St. Louis crap doesn't come back up. Well, yeah, but if you're, I mean, if you're looking at it from each team's perspective, it's like if the Avs just split those, they win. Well, St. Louis has has a much tougher task. Like they still have seven left against Minnesota, four against Vegas, six against Colorado. So that's their whole month. So they they they've played poorly against the poor teams, and they certainly are in a hole. That's for sure. The pressure is on them. So, like you said, we could just split with them, and it, it. it's not even going to hurt us, but pretty they much. pretty much absolutely have to start sweeping series. Yeah, they played Arizona a million times in a row and did not get much out of it. No, they didn't. They've been losing like Anaheim too, which I'm not even going to laugh about Anaheim because I've watched those games. But if you're not consistently beating yeah. like San Jose and Anaheim, that's going to put you in the hole too. What is it about Anaheim right. that makes their game so freaking weird? I don't know if it's just us or if it's because their record is bad. Like, they're bottom five bad. And they don't I score don't... goals. <laughs> Ever. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because we've tried to run out the backup against Anaheim, maybe a little too much, or... I don't know. It is strange. All those ga- all those games have also been weird. Just strange things happening strange goals i don't know i mean i i want to think that we had a, a two-game set against anaheim earlier in the year that both games were officiated by tim peel i mean and those games are always weird <laughs> yeah well he was always good for one in review or oh i didn't know that rule existed and i now do yeah exactly like there's that's how a tim peel joint goes is there will be one call and everyone in, in the building and everyone watching on tv will go what? <laughs> and then they'll look up the rule book and it'll turn out, okay, that was technically correct. It's just never happened before. Ever. <laughs> no one has ever had to make this technically correct call. And no one ever will again because Tim Peel isn't allowed to ref in the NHL anymore. He sure isn't. He got caught on a hot mic saying something about wanting to find a penalty to call on one team. Therefore, solving the problem of pre-planned even-up calls once and for all. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, know. 
okay, here's so. my here's my thinking about this is that everyone wanted to make it about this game management thing, like like how that's somehow a problem. I mean, I know the argument is it shouldn't be about game management; it should be about calling the penalties. Okay, but there's several problems with that. One is there's a subjective call probably every shift on the ice. First oh, of all, several every each <laughs> shift, and second of all. You do not want them to call the rule book. You no. do not want to see 10 penalties per team in a game. Like, nobody wants not, to see that. And that's not how the rule book is meant to be looked at. I mean, it's the same thing with driving. It's like you're always doing something wrong. You know, everybody is. <laughs> that's true. And it's just, it, 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 you're not killing anybody by going three miles over the speed limit or rolling through a stop sign with, you know, carefully looking or not using your blinker or whatever. It's just there's a million rules of the road that that people just don't follow consistently, and it's the same with hockey. So, and it seems like everyone accepts that. Like, you understand that if your team has got the the last three or four power plays, the other team's probably going to get the next one. I don't really see that as a problem. Like, I can see it to an extent if one team is just egregiously taking penalties, the other team really isn't, that it shouldn't come down to, okay, well, every single game needs to have the same number of penalties. But I don't think it's that silly. It's just the nature of the game flow. And I don't, I really don't think anyone has a problem with that. Like, even in the last Vegas game, the Avs got called for four straight power plays or penalties, and they didn't get a power play in overtime. And and then you have Chambers Even though asking, they deserved it. Right. Like, oh, well, they had the last four and you didn't get one. And it's like, no, this is what we're supposed to be okay with now, right? It's just, no, of course we're not. That's, that's not what people expect. I personally think the Peel thing, if you look at the box score, it was not game management. It wasn't that Detroit had several, three, four penalties called against them. And then Nashville was quote-unquote, do for one. Detroit had one power play in the first period. Then Nashville uh, was called for that penalty that was in question. Beginning of the second period. That is absolutely not game management. That's not even what we're talking about. What everyone has made this whole thing about is that teams must be called for even penalties. That's not even what was happening. What really, truly is the problem is is game fixing. You're talking about the worst team playing. Now I'm sure they were uh, uh, underdogs to Nashville, who isn't even playing that well. But we're talking about Detroit here. That's the problem here is is game fixing. Why would you say you wanted to get a penalty early in the period against the team that was losing against the underdog? That's not about game management. That's about game fixing. And I don't know why nobody wanted to say that. Maybe because nobody wants to look under that nasty, nasty level and suggest that. But that's what it's about. Oh, it's mag- not about match fixing stupid. is like a major accusation. That's nothing you want to throw around without stronger sure. evidence than something you can explain away as game management, even if that's wrong. Sure, I'm not saying that anyone should have suggested Peel was doing that, because, right, you need a whole lot more evidence than that. 
But that's what the pro the whole problem is. Everyone writing their little blogs and their tweets about game management and how it's not right and that cheapens the game. It's hysterical because that's not even what it's about. It's about making yeah, the game I... look like it doesn't have any influence from the officials. It's not about the inf- the officials actually not influencing the game because that influences the game too. That ter- that turns officials into cowards. But it it's about making it not look like there's anything going on like that in a hockey game because of the explosion of acceptable sports betting. Yeah. And, and I'm just surprised I, none of these woke journalists could even approach that thought. Friedman's what sort I'm of surprised about. Friedman's danced around that topic a bunch this week, so <laughs> he didn't dance around it. I wouldn't say he pretty much just just took that on head on. Yeah. Well, good. And he's I the only one. It. Yeah, I hadn't heard it then because all I saw was about this whole game management thing. Yeah, he, you silly. wouldn't. He said it on TV in Canada Land. Okay, well, good yeah. for him then, because that's what it's really about. Yeah, I mean, it, well, <clears throat> I mean, I can if you're, you know, a, a sports book, um, you've got to have a predictable set of data to go on to, you know, put your bets out there, and you know, if it if it looks random, that's not good for business. But it's it's to the point now where, like, stats guys have started building predictors onto their sites of who's going to be, like, like the likelihood that the home team gets the next penalty. Yeah. And there's zero excuse for that to be derivable from stats. Yeah. That, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, you shouldn't bet on something like that because, right, that's something that a human directly influences when one person so yeah if a ref knows what the odds are for things like that that's that's certainly something that they could get fed into and yeah you you don't want to you don't want those things to be bets it's it's like in baseball the likelihood that a next the next pitch is going to be called a strike or a ball the ump could directly influence that and cash in on it. So yeah, I'm not even talking about that being a prop line. I'm talking about that just being something that the the same kind of people who build who put together things like the deserve to win o meter, um, like they've been able to look at some of this data and and make a reasonably solid prediction of how likely it is that the next penalty goes against the home team. Yeah, and that's. That's the bad part. It's not the. It's not even the betting aspect of that. It's just knowing that that's the way the game is going to be called. Because if if it looks like they're just trying to give teams the best chance to win possible, whichever team is trailing, that's who they're going to try to help. Like you can't bet on that. So, anyway, that's the Tim Peel affair, and if he wasn't retiring at the end of this season, I I think we would probably have seen a different outcome. Yeah. Uh, the 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 only real outcome we've seen so far is that officials cover their mics when they're talking to players now. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. Memo received. 
but I don't I don't think this had any influence on the officiating in the second game against Vegas for Colorado because that was just a disaster. Yeah, I'm not yeah. suggesting that either. It's just funny that it took all of like three days for it to be like, why, why did the ads get called for more? Well, it's penalties? like now now people are just seeing conspiracies <laughs> everywhere, regardless of you know how it's you know it's like the 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 officials in the second Vegas game just they just called a bad game. Yeah, they just didn't. Um, they were looking at that, something else, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what they were looking at. Um, because if they were playing dumb too, they were. So, and we've and we are definitely not blaming this game on officiating. We're just also complaining about officiating because if it looked like a trip, it was tripping. But if it was a trip, it was legal. It was not. <laughs> yeah. Um. And that went both ways. And, and, like, and that's the thing you worry about now is just sort of, you know, if officials are worried about appearances of what of how they're calling games, that's just another layer of pressure on an already pressure-filled job. Um, you know, and and was the second Vegas game a manifestation of that? It, you know, it might have been. You know, it might have been they were just bending over backwards not to look any kind of influenced or wrote or whatever um I, you know i don't know I, I i hope it's something that can work itself out of the system over the next week or two or month at least before the playoffs um because we, you know we've seen this is the kind of change that you usually see in the beginning of a season like when there's a you know a mandate that the league wants X penalty called more. I think and... the league said they were fine with how things are officiated in general. So that's probably why you haven't seen the, oh, okay, now we're really going to call the rule book. This is what you want, kind of 10 yeah, slashing well, the... penalties. And you're just like, okay, maybe not. No, but the, the media is the one that's running with this. I think the league is probably fine with how the officiating was going. Because, you know, I, I didn't see any really, you know, different kind of officiating this year. <clears throat> but now it's just like you're, you're it's something that's, that's right in front of us. You're just looking at every call like, you know, is that a game management call? Or, you know, is that really a penalty that needed to be called? And it's just that it think... doesn't need to be scrutinized like that. But I think after the fiasco, basically the league gave the officials a vote of confidence. Like, we don't have a problem with how you're calling the game. So that's why I'm saying. I don't think they're necessarily consciously saying, all right, we're going to call these penalties now. It's just a shame because it's going to look like it. Because your team is going to get a power play and they're going to do nothing with it. And it doesn't matter who you're a fan of. This is going to happen to you. And then the other team is going to take their penalty kill momentum and they're going to go the other way and they're going to draw the weakest penalty you've ever seen in your life. And you're going to go, ah, you were looking to call a penalty against my team. And it's just frustrating. Like. That sounds like a lot of like Toronto media excuses that are going to come up where it's like. <laughs> either the Leafs will get screwed because it was game management penalties or they're going to get screwed because it was the other way because now officials yeah. are saying okay you, you want completely lopsided call games or you're going to get one so one way or the other the Leafs are going to get screwed 
<laughs> everything is always about the Leafs. Um, but just to kind of bring us back home here, the, the second game against Vegas, it should be mentioned, was played without Bowen Byram. He came back for a game and then got dinged up again. So, yay! Yeah, that's sad. It it broke my heart to see him not play in the second game in Arizona. And then, and then of course, the stupid Colasar hit, which I don't think... It probably should have been a penalty, but suspension, no. Y'all are wild and for I calling for a suspension for that. Plus, I don't think it's a head injury. I think he just aggravated his previous shoulder injury. Yeah. So he probably won't be out that long, but I know the narrative's going to start like he's made of glass. He's a bust blah, because blah, he blah. can't stay healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Availability is an ability, and he clearly it... does not have it based on two months. I also feel like the games that he played in the two Minnesota games, the first Arizona and Vegas game were the best games he has played. Not that I think he's an enormous impact player at this point, but I think he helps what they do best and make it better. Like he's sort yeah, of I mean, cherry on top. Your, your trade-off is Dan Renuff for Bowen Byram, so yeah, that's going to be big. <laughs> yeah, so I think he is an important part of this team, even though like the points are there. That's going to be another reason why people complain. It's like, just you wait. When he puts it all together... Like, it took Sam, what, four years to, to figure out the offensive zone? Like, Byron's going to get there and get to his game sooner than yeah. people think. So I just really hope that people don't start thinking like... I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed with him, but just thinking like he isn't that important. And I think he's he's definitely important. Like, he's kind of the, the, the final piece on the defense. And... Um, and please and come back fine soon. for what he is. I mean, for like most 19 year olds that, that break into the NHL as defensemen, they're usually coming onto teams that are like, look, we need a guy real bad and you're going to be playing in easy offensive situations all the time. And it's just, you know, Byron plays every role. Um, and if anything, he's not given the easy off offensive opportunities. Um, I, I think he gets a good share. I think he gets a fair share. Um, but it's not like it, it's it's not like when Makar came in and and he was supposed to be the new Barry or whatever. I mean, it's just it, it's a totally different situation he's coming into. I mean, the Avs are a really good team. They're established. They already have lots of scoring. They don't need him to be the man putting up lots of points. Um, they need him to be solid defensively first, and then anything else is a cherry on top. That's what he's... Yeah, and, and nobody wants to hear this, but Avs fans got a little bit spoiled with Kale McCarr. Um, when he just came yeah. in and was immediately awesome. Um, Bo Bowen Byram yeah. should not be held to that same standard because Kale McCarr is exceptional, specifically for stepping right in and missing no beats. So, yeah, just because Byron Byron was a year a year older as well. Yeah, like so. two years old. Well, he's late. Uh, McCarr's also an October birthday, and Byron's June birthday, so they they're even separated by that far. Even yeah, after it's almost two years, year. really. Yeah. So, and Byron's gonna be a completely different player. Like you can already see that he 
it's the physicality he brings that's he thinks about offense different you know it, he's just a different kind of player it also still help if someone would pass to him that would be <laughs> i i wish i could see a replay of that that pass he got near he jumped up in the play and someone actually passed him in arizona but i don't know how close it was to actually being a goal because that was kind of like it wasn't mac it. but mac passed to him last week so that was enough <laughs> starts baby steps baby steps but um it just makes me happy when byron plays so hopefully it won't be too long i think it's an aggravation so it probably won't be but we need him please come back (laughs) all right let's do stars and scratches who wants to jump on the easy ones I'm going to take Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's easy. That's yeah. uh, He's got to get funny because on our last show, I kind of called him out because like he'd had a bad week and it kind of disappeared a little bit. And he really came back with a vengeance. Um, I don't know what it is. I know he's been streaky before. Like he had a good start last year. And I know that when he got the concussion, everything he was. Maybe that's a reason why he fell off a little. But I think he's also been streaky his whole career i don't well, know I think everything he, he's in a really good situation right now <laughs> like it, it it's not really something i mean i kind of wanted to see this third line at the beginning of the season um uh, but you just you really didn't have an idea like how how well these three different skill sets would mesh with nuke and jost and, and donskoy um, that's what they needed just... to find they needed to find a real third line yeah, and it's it's just it's great because it lets each guy do what they're good at, and each weakness is ameliorated by the other two skills as well. It's like, you know, Donskoy can be a little weak in sort of uh, below the circles defense, but you know, it's like Nuke and, and Jost are good at that, so that makes up for that. Um, you got two guys that can carry the puck, which Jost isn't very good at. Um, you know, you've you've just got a lot of of different skill sets that meshed so well, and I, you know, obviously Donskoy's got a, a little bit of power play help as well, but um, you know that line is working so well five on five that you just you love to see it. I mean, he's second on the team in goals. It's just amazing. Yeah, what whatever's working for him, and I noticed Bednar put him in like every situation last last game, which. I don't fault him for because if you're hot, you want that guy on the ice, right? So he had Don yeah. Spore on the first power play unit. He had him out in overtime. But if if you're rolling that hot, then he he's finding finding his way into goals. So and I, I, he has, I what, actually ten points in the last two weeks or something crazy like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. I'm always open to trying weird stuff like, hey, your your first power play is pretty stagnant. Let's try putting the hot hand on it. It didn't work. Well, I also like that because you, you you're putting Kadri with Burkowski and Saad on the second line on the second unit, um, and I just I, I kind of like that that you have you know top line on the first unit, second line on the second unit, and keep them together, which is is something that Bednar says he likes anyway. So yeah, it I like does make some sense. I definitely like the idea. Um, it just it, it just did not pan out, and I don't think it helped that the top line just kind of was a little bit invisible. 
The yeah. top line did not have a good Vegas series. No. It was the other lines that which is a good sign. I mean, Vegas is a very deep team and if you can say your third and fourth lines beat Vegas, that's promising. Oh yeah. What I didn't and, like and seeing the defense too. Like it, it if it was if it was our top line against the top line of Vegas and it was basically a wash or maybe you know we get owned a little bit. Um, I can deal with that, but it just it seemed like the the Vegas fourth line with with Reeves and all the shitbirds um, were pinning the three headed monster in the zone way too much, especially yesterday. That definitely happened uh, more in the second game, and that was how the human charging yeah. penalty got a goal, which should never happen on your top line, but happened on your top line. So whatever. Yeah. So I yeah, I didn't like seeing it. Despite that. <laughs> Last couple of games, with how good the rest of his couple of weeks has been, I think we're obliged to give another star to Miko Rantanen, who has just been scoring oh, yeah. at will on pretty much I everybody else. I actually think he's still the team's MVP. I I know there's a, a few other good candidates, but yeah, I, th- I really feel like Miko is driving at least the elite offense. So certainly a lot of others have chipped in, but... Uh... He's he's the best player on the top line. I think it's just awesome to see him scoring goals and saying assists. Yeah, screw that, you know. I, I that's just not who he was two years ago when he was, you know, reluctant over a to point shoot per game. a bit. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just that. Two... It's like he racked up a million assists, and the and the goal scoring wasn't quite as close. And this year, it's just like, okay, I'm gonna shoot it. And yeah, those I'll two goals it. that he scored in Arizona, just, I mean, the, the shots that he makes are just, I mean, you can't stop yeah. it. It's its nothing that like even a goalie or a defender can stop. If he, if he has a clean look and his shot is so accurate and he's so skilled, it's just, it's, it's like he, he just gets his goals. It's like, hey, that's another Miko goal. <laughs> you just, yeah. just I mean, have we, to know what's going to happen. I mean, we, we spent no, the I mean, better part of a season and a half saying, please, Miko, your shot is good. Please use it. And, and we're finally starting to see that. He's got 19 goals in 33 games, which I just checked. That's what the clicking noises you just heard were. He's on a 47-goal pace in a full season. And yeah. that's on top of completely handing over two goals to McKinnon. Yes. <laughs> he could have had 21 goals, and I think it – I don't know if that would lead the league like as of literally this second, but at at the time when he scored the last one, it would have led the league. Yeah. I know who does know. And that's <laughs> NHL.com, which is shit, by the way. Um, but the current leader in goals is Austin Matthews with 22, and Connor McDavid has 21. Miko is okay, tied well, for third w- with 19 with Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> yeah, terrible company, right? And that's yeah. even without the two that he give her up to McKinnon. Yeah, if if he takes his own on those, he's tied with, with McDavid for for the most. And uh when you look at games play, like he's had thirty three games and I think Toronto has had more than that. Yeah. Thirty four. Yeah. yeah. Although they did they did they did just have a week off, but still, yeah. I I just, I mean, Miko's hands are amazing. Like, if McKinnon had Miko's hands, he'd have probably 190 points. Um, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous how skilled he is in that aspect. Like, uh, the goal that Sam fed him, uh, I forget which game it was when he choked down on the stick and and 
basically was a backwards tip um or or a, a perpendicular tip um you know it's like that's just so creative and skilled and it's just it, it's amazing to watch yep. for sure and he he doesn't get enough appreciation i think even though he is appreciated but he should be thought of as one of the most skilled guys in the nhl and i yeah. i think he is i think he's just not talked about cuz anytime he is talked about it's with that kind of air but he just, yeah, just people, he just doesn't get watch the watch abs games yeah people don't watch abs games so they just they forget the people like sam and miko are on and and honestly <laughs> why would they because half of our games are against teams you can't watch yeah so who's our third star going to? Can I share my star? I want to give. I do want to give Grubauer because he has been awesome. Yeah. And I have to give love, of course, every week to the fabulous Sam Gerard for <laughs> continuing <laughs> to be a badass and still putting up points, still playing a ton, and. He was one of the better players against Vegas yesterday. Like, he was one of the ones that was trying to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> a few others maybe were not. But he that wasn't pass being a hinderer. Don, Don Skoy yesterday. Like, he just had some fabulous plays yesterday. The pass to Don Skoy on the goal. Yeah. Sam had one outlet pass where he sprung a forward from like 100 plus feet. For a breakaway. That forward, regrettably, was Pierre-Edouard Belmar. <laughs> but, Bel- but that Belmar pass got- was outrageous. Yeah. Belmar-, Belmar got his one skilled goal for the year, and he's, like, done now. He did, and he also got his, his you know, obligatory empty netter against Vegas. <laughs> um, and I think honorable mentions... I mean, like, a lot of people are... It's amazing you see people say, like, oh, I think Landis Gog's terrible and yada yada. It, like, Landy and, and Mac tied for the team lead over these past two weeks with 13 points each. Um, well, you, know, you might like, find oh. a spoiler in my scratches, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but, that, you know, that's still... that's way over that that's that's more than a point and a half per game for both guys let's go ahead and see what we can possibly find to scratch on a team that hasn't lost in regulation since march 2nd and yes that certainly is a caveat we need to mention like this is a good team that's been playing well let's keep that into perspective which I think we do, but we're certainly the more critical podcast out there on the airwaves and should mention that we do understand that this is a good team and we don't have a ton to complain about, but we got to keep it real too. And I'm actually going to scratch McKinnon. And like you said, Earl, the production's there. I think Miko has propped up that production a little bit for McKinnon. Um. And I'm not someone that thinks that he needs to score like three goals every single game. He needs to just pretty much dominate and carry the team and be beast mode all the time. Like nobody can do that. But for being honest, he hasn't been on his game all year. And he's been frustrated. 
the goal scoring hasn't quite been there. Like he got the two empty net goals from from uh, Miko, and he did finally score on the power play, which that had been like over a month or something. And it's just it's just not quite there for him. And I, I really liked how he turned up his physicality in the first Arizona game. And you could see he is trying to like impact the game when maybe he's not necessarily scoring. But then you see games like the second Vegas game and he's just, he's trying to force everything. He gets into those bad habits again too. And I just don't think this is the best version of McKinnon we've seen. In his defense, he got tripped and it wasn't a call, and that probably. Could I'm not. I'm not even talking him. about. <laughs> and, like, and, and a guy <laughs> fell down near him, and that was a tripping call. That was a tripping call. That one shift <laughs> late in the third period, where he just like stood in the offensive zone, and he basically like froze up, like he didn't even do anything, and then the puck got turned over. And yeah. yes, everyone was a bit rough in that game. Yeah, it's not just him, and I'm not like trying to nitpick, but for being real and honest, he hasn't been on it this whole entire year. Uh, he has a whole extra level that we've really only seen him hit in the bubble playoffs. Um, but just, just I mean, knowing he's, he's like... capable of that <laughs> puts everything else he does in a different light. But he definitely is a guy who has a tendency to try to do too much, and I think we do sometimes see that. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to say he's calm for anything, who did finally have one good game. So I was honestly <laughs> happy for him. Yeah, we can't he even really... Game of the month. We, we can't even really scratch calm for Like, he, he got hurt, no. and then he got no, unhurt, and then he came back in, and, you know, he scored a, a lol goal, and then he got a real goal. Yeah. Yeah, he had a and good that, game. And, 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 that, but... and actually, the, the fourth line now, with, with Belmer and... You know, basically two right wings in Comfer and, and O'Connor. Um, that's been a pleasant surprise, and I've been really down on Belmare. Um, and it's it's kind of weird that when Calvert goes out of the lineup and you yeah, sort of I was gonna say, to win, I, I think we and, do need to have like a little like tangent here or an honorary scratch to Calvert, who yeah. apparently was just going to like sit out for some bumps and bruises and then they played really well and then all of a sudden he's week to week. Now, I think he has just been sort of fighting stuff and that he pro- they probably did find that he needed some more time off, but it's quite a coincidence. <laughs> that a guy that has one one assist all year or I guess he has 3 now. Um yeah, but, uh, I, just, I think it's weird, it, and maybe it's just separating those two. Maybe it's just having Calvert and Belmer on the same line is just, you know, creating a, a dead zone. Um, I think Calvert... I mean, Belmer gonna... really did look good with Comfort and O'Connor. It's like those guys worked really well together. And it's like, we know that O'Connor is basically Calvert, but younger and healthier. So. I was looking up their stats to compare. Like O'Connor's better in everything than Calvert's been this year. Like measure you want to find, yeah, he's been better. So I know there's still some like sentiment out there, like we miss Calvert, and like I get the heart and soul, and he's probably really good in the room and all that. But like on the ice, no, he he hasn't been a really a positive this entire year, and they're they're better for him out out of the lineup. Well, the great thing about problem. O'Connor, and, and this is something they've been missing for probably a couple of years now, is that he's actually a threat to score shorthanded. 
Well, I don't and... know. It doesn't quite have the hands. Let's. No, but I'm just saying <laughs> he's he's good hard. at creating chances. At least. We're not. Yeah. We're not saying he's gonna do it. We're saying he might do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, he's good on the penalty kill. He's. He and you got to say that that assist, his first NHL assist to Makar on that amazing was. goal was that was world class. <laughs> um, it's, no, it's true. He gets credit for that. That was a good. And I like. I think O'Connor has found his spot in that role. He's definitely like the Calvert role kind of guy that he provides the energy and try hard, but it's not empty. Like his his underlying numbers are good. He's actually creating things. It's. He might yeah. not have any finishing talent, really, but he does. He does pop a goal every once in a while. Like he's not going to score much, but there are guys. And he's not doing the fake better. tough thing that he did last year to try to stay in the lineup, and that's good too. What was I don't even remember that? <laughs> you know, remember he was just he, you know he's trying to be physical and get in people's faces. He's trying to be like Comfort or Calvert a little bit last yeah, year. Yeah, he's not quite. He's kind. He's a little small. He can like, be. He can agitate. He's but, pesty, yeah. but no, he's yeah. definitely not going to be a deterrent. Yeah, that's, that's oh, I do want to say as as an aside, I didn't mind that got in that fight. I. I don't think it was like, oh boy, Colasar is never going to hit anyone because Dan Renault got <laughs> Like, it's not that. I think it was more the message that the abs were sticking up for Byram, even though I don't think, like, wow, that was the worst hit ever. I think it was nice to say, like, hey, we know that you hurt one of our young upcoming stars. Like, do something and about here it. Here we are and taking did. care of it two days later. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> by, by swinging and missing and letting you knock my helmet off. <laughs> by hey, trying to hit a guy a with seven the, inches more reach <laughs> like i said i think it sends a message more to the actual team than vegas i like yeah. that they said no, I agree. hey we're going we recognize it and we're we're at least gonna you know like give a shit about our guy here so and, and not I having Renouf for five minutes that. isn't a big deal. Yeah, the the <laughs> message that I receive from that is that Dan Renouf sees that his time in this in this lineup is dwindling, and he wants to make whatever impression he can before he's gone. You know, and and I would say that because that was my argument about Gilbert. I think it went a little further than that. I think it wasn't just Renouf deciding on his own that one. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, uh, uh, this one was slightly less staged than the other one. Slightly. Yeah. Um, I'm betting there. I'm betting there was some money on the board for it too. Yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? They, everyone knew that one was going to happen. Who knows? I am going to scratch the concept of penalty killing. Um, because this team has one weakness, and that is a penalty kill. And Grubauer has kept it afloat all season long, and you've seen him kind of start to, you know, not necessarily be able to do that the last couple of games. Penalty kills are to concede that, too much. And I, I've sort of... I, I agree. And what I've looked into is how bad the power plays are for just about every team in this division. Yeah, it's not and, the greatest power play division. Right. But you look at like who has the best PKs in the NHL and who has the worst power plays in the NHL. And weirdly enough, there are like five out of the top ten. Um in both. So I, I tend to think that there are a lot of bad power plays in this division and that the Avs being so good on the PK is a product of that and not 
saying devil's advocate, what if it's the other way around? What if it's the PKs oh, are all so good PK. that nobody can score? Yeah, I thought about that, and awesome. it's a, it's definitely a chicken egg thing that you can make a case of. But it's just you look at the teams and who's you know who these teams are, and you're like, there's a lot of bad power plays, and it's easier to play defense than it is to to be skilled at offense. Um. So that that's my default position, and you you may be right on that in your devil's advocate position, but I just tend to think that the power plays are awful in the division, and that's why the looks so good. Well, nobody in the division can score any goals. Like there's just right. all the scoring talent is pretty much like condensed on Colorado, on Vegas, and on Minnesota's top line, and there's a little bit in St. Louis, yeah. but not a whole lot. And a little bit on the king, uh, like tiny bit, tiny, and and like then Kopitar. and then you do have Phil, and that's Arizona, yeah. and Garland. We like Garland, but for the most part, like for you're, you're looking for heavy scoring talent concentration. It's not like it's it's in not just, in just no. <laughs> it's here. It's Vegas. It's a little bit scattered between minnesota and st louis and otherwise that these aren't these aren't teams you would expect to score a whole lot of goals and then the team that has the most goal scoring talent all concentrated which i would say is colorado by a wide margin so definitely power play sucks yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's nothing new right nothing new it's uh so that's where you go right. yeah i think this is bad power plays <laughs> and I and you know I I think there are things like this all over the league. Like I think the scoring that we're seeing with like Tampa, Florida, and Carolina is 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 also a bit of an illusion. I mean those teams are good, but it's like you've got some really bad teams in that division as well. So I think that just... that division is so funny because you're right the the three good teams, and, and then, then you have that group of four: the Columbus, Chicago, Nashville, and. Uh, Dallas and someone I I'm not gonna take credit for this I think I read it in the athletic or something but it was it's like a contest to find the tallest kindergartner <laughs> those four teams which I think is like the perfect way to put that yeah <laughs> but it's like one of them's gonna win yeah. one of them will win it, it, so yeah if you think about the good teams they play constantly against those other four and then Detroit who is like still bad but has their moments. Well, and, and, that and is the a reason this is division. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that I think every division's like this because we have no way to compare what any other divisions are like. You know, it's like there there are no interdivisional, there's no interconference games, so it's like we can't tell how legitimate the scoring is. You know, with with Florida and Carolina. You know, it's like we can't tell if the PKs are any good in the West division, you know, it's, it, there's just nothing to measure it by. So it's just, it is, it we're is gonna, funny. We're going to get to the final four and figure out <laughs> what, what's really been happening all year. Perhaps. Yeah, we're going to see like a grand total of 20 games out of this entire season. That's between divisions. And we're going to make a ton of conclusions based off of that. Right. We're going to make <laughs> yeah. so many conclusions and it's going to be wrong and no one's going to care. Yeah. I do think this, this season is funny and in, in an interesting kind of way to see what happens when you do create these these insular bubbles these controlled environments and what happens when teams are only within that and they never get out 
and to see how different it all becomes. Yeah, it's it's going to make the Final Four sort of like that Champions League they have in Europe, where you have like the Liga and the SHL and the Czech League and the KHL or whatever, however they do it. I don't care, but you know, it's like you know four disparate leagues coming together and playing you know a best of, um, and that that's that's kind of what we're going to see, and, and you just you you have an idea how good some teams are, but you just don't know what their level of competition has been all season. So I think we're still looking for one more scratch. And I think it's very interesting that we've done two scratches that immediately devolved into something else that wasn't a scratch. That's how good this team's playing right now. Well, yeah. and we're also, I'm also thinking of a few asides we need to get to, but um, yeah, there's nobody to really rail on. I, Braves yeah, is pretty I, low I, hanging fruit. Like he just, yeah, he has his moments. I, I will say, I think he, he does better with Byram because he needs to play with that kind of player. So he's had better games lately, but he he definitely gets exposed too. I don't know. I guess he deserves a scratch, but it, it is a little unfair to pick on just him because I think McDonald has earned some as well. So maybe they can yeah, share that I, one. I, I mean, finding scratches in a team that scored 14 points in eight games is just, you know, I mean, they've, they've, yeah, everyone's their opponents everyone by has, an average of three every game. So everyone has contributed to the success. Everyone's done yeah. something good over the last two weeks for sure. Right. And, and we're we're at the point now where saying Colorado is good undersells it. Yeah, they've been yeah. dominant, and it's it's interesting that it's getting the analytics crowd excited because it's hilarious where this team was four or five years ago when it came to analytics and well two weeks ago they couldn't score and it's like all right you look at the last two weeks and, and it's a bit of a pdo bender their pdo is like 106 for the last two weeks um and that's just making up for the fact that it's been like 93 for most and um, and yes we knew that this some of the bounces and stuff were going to go and i know that we talked on the last podcast and like you and I in particular didn't really necessarily feel like it was just a luck thing that they do dig themselves a hole in the scoring department. They, they do it to themselves, but, but you look at who they've gotten these goals from it's like Don Scoy and Belmare and Comfer, you know, when you're getting scoring from everywhere, it kind of covers up when your top guys go cold. And I think, I think that's the difference between like yeah. these couple weeks and the weeks yeah, like before. Graves and McDonald are like the only guys that haven't scored a goal over the past two weeks out of the guys, the regular players. That sounds yeah. reasonably like, true. Did Tyson Jost get one? Yes. Yeah, he yes, sure he did. did. I know, so yeah, just, so you what? Know, like ba- every basically everybody scored. but your, your, your five and your six defenders scored this over the past two weeks. So... That's kind of what you would think. Yeah, that's what you need. Yeah, you're happy to see it. So, um, yeah, coming up this week, on Monday, Colorado get another game against the Anaheim Ducks. Yay. Woohoo! Seven Mountain. And then on Wednesday, Colorado get to play the Coyotes again. Yay. <coughs> 7.30 Mountain. We'll close out the homestand with a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday against the St. Louis Blues. Both games are at 7 o'clock Mountain. All games are on altitude. 
What are we expecting? Well, first of all, don't is Monday's game the first game with fans, or is it um, Wednesdays? Uh, I, I think no. I the Wednesdays Blues is game, the thirty first. The yeah, okay. The Nuggets game be, the day before that's the first time that the Bell Arena no, is gonna have. The they're doing like the fans. first responder kind of thing. Yeah. So, do you count that as? Yeah. What you're saying. Even though they're not they're... paying, there's people in the building. That's a, okay, that's it's a closed gonna be, fans game. That's yeah. going to be on the 31st. Yeah, so okay. The, that one will be, quote unquote, with fans. The Blues series is what starts the yeah. general public. Paying customers. Yeah. So fans on Wednesday, paying customers on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I... Well, I think if they keep up the 750 run they've been on would be incredible because that's that's a good clip to be on but you you just hope they stay like two out of three kind of thing and i know there's four games so um i'm curious i'm going to be a little cautious about the st louis stuff because even though you could see that they're really sliding i gotta see how these teams match up before really deciding that we're just gonna like roll over them so I could see a cautious split coming up because that the Ducks games are always really insane, and I don't but know. Miska's not playing. No, huh, we don't. Well, we don't know when they decide to play JoJo again. Like, is that going to be the St. St. Louis back to back? Is to roll out JoJo again? I think so. Um, <laughs> kind of have to, right? I think maybe a split and they if they lose it to the Ducks, they'll probably lose to them in overtime. That's probably <laughs> my prediction. Uh, they're definitely better than Arizona. It's just annoying that they sometimes find the way to lose against Arizona. They should win at home, though, with yeah. Grubauer playing that game. and So that's my prediction. They keep taking goaltending go... losses against Arizona, whether it's because their own goalie just blows the game a little bit or whether it's because the other goalie is just made of horseshoes and gold pots <laughs> like that that three two loss to arizona earlier in the in the month maybe it was last month when when they they outshot them like a whole bunch to 14 yeah it's like oh yeah that one <laughs> and they scored all the all the goals in the game just three of them went behind grubauer instead of it's just like give me a break. Like it's the luckiest team in the world. Um, anyway, I I think we'll see the first regulation loss since March second this week because there's a back to back against St. Louis, and if you play your back to back in that game or you play your backup in that game, it's probably an L. And if you don't, then you're really putting Grubauer at risk. That it's definitely worth you know taking that L to not overplay Grubauer. Yeah. That's that's why I think you gotta win the first game in the Blue Series just so you've got that to play with. Um, that's and probably I'm, I'm, how Bednar thinks too. But even I'm if they sure. lose that first one, it's like, uh, what do you do? Yeah, you probably still gotta play JoJo anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. you just gotta figure out how, a way to make it up later. But yeah, I'm going with six points. I think, I, I think it's just it's too much to ask JoJo to beat the Blues. I mean, he he does well enough to make the first save. Uh, they, you could maybe see them, you know, finding a way to get to overtime in that game, but I'm probably an L. Just yeah. keep it watchable, please. 
No fake tough blues nonsense. God, we have to play this team so goddamn much. Um, but yeah, we're. Gonna... I think you know what the weird thing is is I think they're off too until that Friday. I think St. Louis? they play the Ducks. Yeah, they. I've been looking at the, our schedules for the the division, and I think they played the Ducks today, and then they don't play until Friday. So it's going to be that's sort of a weird uh, week for them. I'm looking at their know. calendar now, and you are right. They're playing Woo-hoo! right this minute, and they're going to have four days off. So that first game on Friday is going to be a rust game for them. Yeah, I like it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully the Ducks beat them, and they can be all pissy all week and <laughs> come here and and uh, and not play well. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, we're looking for six points. We'd, I think less than five would probably be, or, or five would be kind of the minimum there that you that you want. Because apparently there's like, you know, you, you could go to overtime and, and not get the second point because it's pretty random. So with whatever ends up being the outcome for next week, we will be here to talk to you about it at a normal time. I, we, I'm pretty sure we're going to be weekly and until the playoffs are done from this point on. Just going to be whether it whether we do our show on Saturday or Sunday. Um, so ne- next week will be a normal Sunday recording because the Avalanche play on Saturday night. And we will have a uh, full review of what they look like against the St. Louis Blues next week. What do they just tell? Well, I'm sure they don't just say, hey, you're trade bait. That's why we're not filing the contract. Well, we just want to see what our cap is, even though it's like completely irrelevant. (laughs) They tell these kids, we just want to see what our cap is after the deadline. I'm sure they probably tell the agents, hey, you know, you know how we do things. We like to keep secrets from everybody. So we're not going to announce anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're not even waiting for them to announce. Cap friendly. We'll see when that shit comes through. That's why they, yeah, they can't file it. That's why they say like, we're not doing this. You know, (laughs) we've, you've got the contract in your pocket, but we're not doing it until. We get well, to spring it on somebody on at 6 in the morning the... on a Tuesday. <laughs>